turning once again this morning to our brief dip into the fountain that is the Old Testament prophecy of Jeremiah. And so I'll invite you to turn there with me now to chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18, and we'll begin by reading verses 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Father, we pray that you take us now into your hand and to mold us, just as you speak about here in this passage, to fashion us in the way that you'd have us to be, in the likeness of your Son. Use this passage as part of your skill and your plan to do that. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will announce my words to you. There, in the potter's house, I will announce my words to you. That's interesting, isn't it? God could have announced his words to Jeremiah anywhere he chose, right? He could have spoken to the prophet while Jeremiah was at his reading desk as he studied. Or he could have spoken to him in a dream as he slept. Or he could have come to him and announced his words to Jeremiah on the road as he made his way to the market one morning. But instead, God specifically told Jeremiah to arise and go down to the potter's house. For it was there that God intended to give him a message for his people. And why the potter's house? Well, because God had something in the potter's house that he wanted Jeremiah to see, as well as something that he wanted him to hear and to speak. In the potter's house, God had something he wanted Jeremiah to see, as well as to hear and to speak. In that potter's house, God had for Jeremiah prepared a picture, a picture of a potter working away at his wheel that would cement in Jeremiah's memory the word of the Lord that was to come to him that day and that was to come through him to God's people. A picture. That's the first heading that I want you to remember this morning. The passage before us this morning presents Jeremiah and it presents us with a picture. God doesn't simply say here in basic prose that he is able to redirect the course of Israel's future. That's true, but he takes Jeremiah down to the potter's house to see an illustration from everyday life of just how able he is to reshape his people's fortunes. God gave this message to Jeremiah, I say, partially in the form of a picture. And of course, this is not the only place that we've ever seen God do such a thing, is it? Pictures, or at least word pictures, are all over the place, for instance, in the ministry of Jesus, aren't they? 
as he paints verbal portraits of everyday events to help us understand spiritual realities. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. It's like leaven. It's like a giant fishing net. God's seeking and saving of that which was lost is like a shepherd looking for his lost sheep or a woman looking for her lost coin or a man welcoming home his lost son. Men's hearts are like different types of soil and so on. Jesus was constantly using pictures from everyday life and calling them up to the mind's eyes of his hearers so as to stamp on our memories the truths that they illustrate. We saw the same thing just a few moments ago in Numbers chapter 21, didn't we? God gave to Moses a picture, something that would illustrate for the people what it meant for them to look to God and to his solution and to his Savior and to live. And here God takes Jeremiah and gives him a picture. Literally, he goes down to the potter's house and God puts before his eyes just such an illustration And in his mind's eye, Jeremiah had similar experiences at other times too. A rod of an almond tree in chapter 1. A boiling pot in the same chapter. Two baskets of figs in chapter 24. All of them set before the prophet to help him understand and proclaim spiritual truths. And I point all of this out because it's quite helpful to us as we think about how to explain and share God's truth in our day. It's helpful to us to notice that one of the most effective teaching devices that even the Lord himself employs is to emboss truth into our minds by means of illustrations from the world around us. And so, for instance, last week in chapter 2, God didn't just come to his people and say, you've forsaken me and you've turned to idols that cannot satisfy. That's what he said, right? But he didn't say it that way. God worded that truth in a way. He gave his people a word picture that was and is even more memorable. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I will wager that most of you remember that picture from last week. The overflowing spring and the broken pits that were supposed to catch rainwater but could never seem to hold anything. I'd, I'd wager that you remember that, and that you remember the foolishness of dropping our buckets down the one instead of going to the other. And I hope you will remember today this potter and his clay. And if you remember this picture, then hopefully you will not only have learned the primary lesson that this potter and his clay are intended to teach us, and which we will come to in a few moments. But if you can remember the potter and the clay today, and the fountain and the cistern from last week, then you will have also learned how valuable word pictures can be as we teach people truth. When you teach your children, or seek to be salt and light with your co-workers and your extended family and your neighbors, or to be an encouragement to your brothers and sisters in Christ, one of the most helpful things you can do is to have your eyes wide open for springs and cisterns and pottery and birds and snow and weddings and so many other everyday things of which the biblical authors make use in illustrating spiritual truth. So, for instance... You must, of course, tell your co-workers how the blood of Jesus Christ washes our sins completely away. 
but you can also look out the window with them on a snowy day and give them Isaiah 118 and show them just how pure Jesus makes the records of those who believe. Similarly, sometimes you may need to encourage a brother in the Lord not to worry about whether or not his needs will be met. But as part of that encouragement, why not go outside and help him to look at the birds of the air and show him, using the words of Jesus, that God cares for his creatures and that they don't worry and that neither should he. And with your children, how good would it be if the flowers in your garden and the pinch of yeast dropped into your bread machine and the search for Johnny's missing nickel and so many other daily circumstances, what a blessing if many of those seemingly mundane incidents could be spotlighted for your children to help them see the truths of the Bible. And in light of today's passage in Jeremiah 18, how do you explain to your neighbor whose life is so broken, how do you help her see the biblical truths about how Christ can repair and restore and reshape her for His glory? You must explain those things to her, mustn't you? And you must explain them to her from the Bible because faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word. But think about how effective it might be if one of your biblical landing places with your neighbor was this beautiful portrait in Jeremiah of a potter reworking his clay. Maybe you could even take her to a pottery studio and show her the very same picture that Jeremiah saw with his own eyes and then read to her this passage about just how capable God is of repairing deformed clay and just how beautifully her own little lump can be refashioned in his hand. Give her a picture like God gives Jeremiah in this passage, never in place of his words, but to help them sink in all the more deeply. Here's an effective way of helping people remember and grasp biblical truth. Help them see it illustrated in the world that God has made all around them. Familiarize yourself particularly with the word pictures that are used in the Bible itself. And then have your eyes open to notice those illustrations in the world around you day by day so that you might share them alongside the words of Scripture with people of all sorts who need so badly to hear and understand the truth. So that's the first thing this morning. It's not by any stretch the main thing, but it is the first thing. Jeremiah 18 presents us with a picture. And the very fact that God illustrates his truth in this way is, I think, a helpful hint to us in how to disseminate that truth ourselves. But then let me say this in the second place. Jeremiah presents us not only with a picture, but with a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture. Listen to verses 1 through 6 again and see if you don't agree with me about that. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. It's a fantastic sight, isn't it, as you call it up in your mind's eye? The picture of this potter and his clay is so clear and so vivid and so apt and so attractive 
that before we even begin deeply to analyze all that's here, we should just sit back and enjoy and marvel and praise God that He Himself is such a potter. Here is the nation of Israel like a flopped pottery project, still spinning on the wheel, but collapsing more and more every time around into some sort of monstrosity because of their idolatry and because of their sin. They're they're not anything like the vessel for honor that they ought to have been, spoiled in the hand of the potter, and yet still in his hand. He hasn't given up on this lump of clay that seems so rigid and so unworkable. He hasn't thrown them into the scrap heap, nor has he just taken the deformed pot off the wheel and determined to leave it as is, defective and unuseful, stashed away somewhere in the back of a cabinet. No, the Lord is patient like this potter at his wheel. He is willing to press the stubborn clay back down into a lump and to start afresh and to make it into a whole new and better vessel. And not only is he willing to do that, he's able to do that. This lump of clay, no matter how unpliable and how stiff it is, is not beyond the strength and the skill of the potter, is it? He is willing to start afresh with them, to work and rework and to keep forming and reforming. And he is able, verse 4, to make the vessel come out in the end just in the way that pleases him. This is a portrait of our God as he dealt with his stiff-necked Old Testament people. And I submit to you that it is a beautiful portrait of our God. And it's a beautiful portrait of our God as he deals with his people today, too. As individuals, as local churches, and in the wider kingdom as well. So often we are not what we are called to be. So often we are like the clay on the potter's wheel that has a bubble forming here or a deformity over here. Or we're beginning to fold over on one side because of our sin. So often we're not what we should be. And yet, we're still in the potter's hand, aren't we? He has not thrown us away. And He is committed not to leave us malformed and just to be done with us. And so He keeps the wheel spinning. And He keeps His dexterous fingers pressed down in just the right places. And He keeps shaping and He keeps molding and He keeps reshaping and He keeps remolding to conform His people into the image of Christ. For I am confident of this very thing, says the Apostle Paul, that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in you will perfect it. Until the day of Christ Jesus. He will not take you off his wheel if you belong to him. He will not throw you away. That's God's promise, is it not? For those whom he foreknew, Romans 8.29, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. He will make you into a vessel that pleases him. Indeed, this is one reason why Jesus came to die, isn't it? To redeem us from our slavery to sin so that we might, by God's grace and underneath His working fingers, so that we might slowly but surely become what God intended us to be in the first place. That's why Jesus died, so that we don't remain marred and deformed vessels piling up outside the potter's back door awaiting the garbage collection, but so that we might be remade in the potter's hands. That is why Jesus died. And this 
is what Jeremiah says that the Lord is willing and able to do with the vessels that are spoiled in his hand. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. It's a beautiful picture, I say. And particularly so this morning, if you realize that you are the lump of clay that's caving in on one side. Or perhaps that's totally collapsed. Does that sound like anyone this morning? Maybe you're a believer and your life, you know, has long been bubbling and deforming. Even as it spins on the potter's wheel. You're not what you once were. Your zeal for God has been flagging. Your Bible has been collecting dust. Your behavior has become more and more undisciplined. And you're just spiritually hunched over like a deformed pot. Or maybe there are one or two specific areas in some of your lives where the deformity has gotten out of hand. You seem to be doing well over here, but on this one side, things are not well. You're doing things with your body that Christians should not do. You're allowing entertainment through the gate of your eyes that you have no business seeing. You've allowed pride to tear apart certain relationships that you ought to have held dear. You're being dishonest, maybe, about certain things because you don't trust God to provide. And maybe you've wondered if it will ever change, if God might be through with you, if you'll ever become what you know you ought to be. And if that is you, I tell you that if you will run to him this morning, the great potter is willing and is able to rework the clay of your life into something beautiful. And I say that also this morning to those of you who cannot say that you are not what you once were because you never were what you should have been in the first place. You never were a Christian. You never did come to Christ. Some of you have never yet come to the potter and asked him to make anything out of your life. You've lived all of your days simply going your own way, spinning your own wheel, forming your own vessel, but it hasn't worked. It's left you without God. It's left you without a future. It's left you without any semblance of the godly shape or form that your life should have. You may think, or even the people around you may think, that your vessel looks pretty balanced and quite symmetrical. But if you think that, it's only because you're not actually a potter. If you're satisfied with being far less than you ought to be, it's because you don't know the specifications for the vessel like the potter does. But when he looks at you, He sees a vessel that's spoiled, spoiled by sin and badly in need of being folded back into a lump and given a whole new start and a whole new shape. And here's the good news, my friend. The Lord Jesus Christ is willing to do that for you. He was willing to come and die so that your sins might be forgiven and so that you might be bought back out of your enslavement to them. And he is willing to place you on his wheel and to begin reshaping you into something beautiful and useful to God. If you are willing to admit that you need remaking, he is willing to place you on his wheel and begin the process of making you into a vessel for honor. And so you must run to him this morning. And if we return to Jeremiah's original context, we will remember that the Lord was willing to do that with his Old Testament people, Israel, as well. They had fallen into deep idolatry and grievous sin, as we've seen previously in the book of Jeremiah. But the Lord was willing to remake them on his wheel, was he not? And yet, 
If you read further into the annals of the Old Testament, and indeed if you simply read as far down as verse 12 in this chapter, you will see that the sons of Israel would not come to him. They did not want to be placed on his wheel, verse 12. But they will say, it's hopeless, for we are going to follow our own plans, and each of us will act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. It's hopeless. I'm not coming back to God. I'm just going to go and do what I've got to do. That's what they said. And they went into exile for 70 years. Don't you be like them this morning. Don't harden your heart against the Lord. Don't stiffen your neck and just say, I just might as well keep doing what I'm doing. No, repent. Return to the Lord, asking Him to forgive your sins by the blood of Christ and to place you on His wheel and to do for you what the potter did with his clay in verse 4. I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel, but the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? Declares the Lord, Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. This, I say, is a beautiful picture. But then I want you to see in the third place that this passage is also a humbling picture. A humbling picture. This is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of passage. This is not a pep talk to convince you that you really can get yourself into spiritual shape. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what this passage teaches, is it? Indeed, the whole metaphor of potter and clay is a humbling one, is it not? Because clay, by its very nature, is at the mercy of the potter. Clay, by its very nature, must be content to be made into a vessel, verse 4, as it pleases the potter to make. And even if you're not content with that, that doesn't change the fact that you are clay and that the potter, and not you, is the one who is making you beautiful. And what that means is simply this. If you are to be what God has called you to be, if you are to rid yourself of certain sins and imperfections, if you are to be molded into a more Christ-like shape, if you are to become a vessel for honor in the Lord's hand, it will never be because you were the potter molding something good out of your life. If you are to be beautiful for the Lord, it will not be because you pulled yourself out of the ditch and turned over a new leaf and resolved to be godly. It will be because you came to Christ and asked Him to remake you as only He can. Have you done that? Have you really come to trust in Him? Not only to forgive your sins, but to make you a vessel fit for God's use? To the extent that any of us have, to the extent that any of us becomes a beautiful vessel for the Lord, reflecting His goodness and His character and His design, we will never be able to take credit for it ourselves, will we? Because we are merely the lumps of clay, and some of us rigid clay at that. But the Lord is a good potter. And in order to spin properly on His wheel, we will do well to go ahead and accept that we are clay. And let me say this as well before we leave this brief third point. If God is the potter and we are the clay and if the vessels that he is making out of us will come off the wheel, verse 4, as it pleases the potter to make, well then that also means that we must be content 
Not only that God gets the credit for the Christ-like shape of our lives, but we must also be content to be whatever sort of vessels the Lord sees fit to make us into. Verse 4 is so key in this regard. The vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. And I wonder if you're content with that. Content to be whatever sort of vessel that it pleases the potter to make. Sometimes his plans for your life are not the same as the plans that you would have laid if you were the potter. Sometimes God may ask harder things of you. He may ask you to hold more in your vessel than you really wanted to hold. And sometimes he may ask you to hold much less and to be much smaller of a vessel, much less significant of a vessel than you imagine yourself capable of being. And you have to be content with that. The vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter, so he remade it into another vessel as it pleased the potter to make. That is humbling. It means that you and I are not ultimately in charge of our lives. You don't get to shape the various contours. You do not decide what sort of vessel you will be. And when the vessel turns out well, you don't get the praise. You and I are simply like the clay in the potter's hand and... We need to be content with that. And we need to come to him and ask him to do what only he can do. And we need to give the potter the credit when he does. And we need to rejoice that with him at the wheel, instead of us, the vessel will turn out much, much better than we could have ever done on our own. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. It's a humbling picture. It's a beautiful picture. And then in the fourth place, let me say that Jeremiah 18 also presents us with a sobering picture. A sobering picture. We've been talking so far primarily about the gracious aspects of this passage. We've focused our attention, in other words, on how God can take a spoiled lump of clay and remake it into something beautiful, and rightly so. But before we finish this morning, we need to see that the potter also has the right to take an obstinate lump of clay and to prepare it for the scrap pile. The potter has the right to judge our sin if he so chooses. Listen to verses 7 through 10, the first two of which teach the truth of God's mercy on which we've been focusing, but the last two of which remind us that the potter has the right to judge as well. Verses 7 through 10, at one moment... I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I plan to bring on it. So that's what we've been saying. But then listen to verses 9 and 10. Or at another moment, I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. So did you hear it in verses 7 and 8? Here's a nation like Jeremiah's Israel who has evidently been a lousy lump of clay. And God has determined, verse 7, that they deserve to be thrown on the scrap heap. But if they will repent, verse 8... God will not take them off his wheel and throw them in the garbage after all. But, verse 4, he will reshape them into a new and useful vessel. So far, so good. But in verses 9 and 10, God says that the reverse is true as well. 
If a nation is spinning around on God's wheel and God is preparing a bright future for them and they become obstinate and rigid against Him, He reserves the right to reverse course with them as well and to begin fashioning them for destruction. The potter, in other words, has the right to reshape vessels on his wheel either for mercy or for wrath as it pleases the potter to make them. And that is true not only of nations, which is the specific context of this chapter, but it is also true of individuals. The potter has the right to reshape on his wheel either vessels for mercy or vessels for wrath as it pleases the potter to make. And yet also embedded in these verses 7 through 10 is a reminder of our responsibility to respond in the right way. Yes, God is sovereign. He is the potter and we are merely the clay. He fashions the vessels, verse 4, according to his pleasure, not according to ours. And yet, in verses 7 through 10, he tells us under exactly what sorts of circumstances he is pleased to make what sorts of vessels. And the circumstances that he sets forth here have to do with our response to him. So that who are the ones in verses 7 and 8 about whom God says he will relent concerning the calamity he planned to bring on them? Those, verse 8, who turn from their evil. Those who turn from their evil. And who are the ones in verses 9 and 10 about whom God says he will think better of the good with which he had promised to bless them? Those, verse 10, who do evil in his sight by not obeying his voice. And so do you hear what God is saying here? He makes some vessels for mercy and he makes other vessels for wrath as it pleases the potter to make. But then he tells us in verses 7 and 10 that as the potter, what pleases him is to show mercy to those who repent and to pull his goodness away from those who do evil. And that means that you and I have responsibility this morning. We said earlier that we are not the ones who can make or remake anything beautiful out of our lives. And that is absolutely true. We are merely the clay in the hands of the potter. And yet here is the potter himself telling us that he delights to make what is beautiful out of those who will repent. He is still the one doing it, but we have responsibility to heed his call and turn from our evil. In fact, that is the direct application that Jeremiah was to make to the sons of Israel in verse 11. So now then, speak to the men of Judah and against the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am fashioning calamity against you and devising a plan against you. Oh, turn back, each of you, from his evil way and reform your ways and your deeds. God delights in refashioning the lives of those who repent of their sin, verses 4 through 8. Therefore, verse 11, repent. And if you do not, or if you begin to turn away from God and toward sin, watch out, verses 9 and 10. Because the same potter who can take a floundering vessel and fold the clay back down and reset it on its wheel and start over with something beautiful is also the potter who can simply fold the lump of clay back down and take it off the wheel and put it in the scrap pile. And I say to you, that's a sobering picture. And it's one that some of us 
who are toying with sin may need to take to heart today. You are responsible for what you do with this message and this passage and your life. And if you walk out of here today determined to continue in sin, you should be very concerned about what will happen to you. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I promised to bless it. But let's finish by reminding ourselves one more time that the reverse is wonderfully true as well. If you are mired in sin today, if your life is like a spoiled vessel on the potter's wheel, caving in over here, misshapen over here, you are by no means beyond hope today. Because there is a potter. And this potter loves to take vessels that have been spoiled on his wheel and to remake them into that which is beautiful and useful to his kingdom. So repent of the sins that are spoilingly, spoiling you like malformed clay and return today to the Lord Jesus whose blood will cleanse you from all sin and whose nail-pierced hands are eager to mold you into something beautiful for himself. Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel.